know that there is nobody like our God. Come on, wherever you are, put those hands together. Give our God some praise. Acknowledge the fact that he is the true and the living God, and we love him for all that he has done and for who he is. We honor the Lord today for his goodness and his kindness because it is, it has been, and always will be better than life itself. And I don't know about you, I'm just glad to be alive today. Amen. Come on, let's honor God and thank him for Pastor Bob and Pastor Corey this morning. We honor these great men of God. And come on, Grace City, thank God for 13 years. It's your birthday. And you ought to thank God for all that he has done and continues to do in your lives. I don't want to belabor the moment. I'm going to get straight into the word of God. We're going to the gospel according to Mark, chapter number four, the gospel according to Mark, chapter four. And I'll be reading from the Amplified Version. It may sound a little bit different from whatever version you're using, but I promise you it is the Word of God and will lead and guide us today through His Word for us. The Gospel according to Mark, chapter number 4, beginning with verse number 35, you will find that these words have been written. It says, On that same day, when evening had come, He said to them, Let us go over to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So leaving the crowd, they took him with them, just as he was in the boat. And other boats were with him. And a fierce windstorm began to blow and waves breaking over the boat, so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern, asleep with his head on the sailor's leather cushion. And they woke him and said to him, Teacher, do you not care that we are about to die? He got up and sternly rebuked the wind and said to the sea, hush, be still and muzzle. And the wind died down as if it had grown weary and there was at once a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. And Jesus said to them, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith and confidence in me? And they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this that even the wind and the sea obey him. Let's bow and let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you today for who you are and all that you've done. You've been good to us. You've been kind to us. You've been faithful to us. And for that, we this morning say thank you. Now, God, whether we're in this building or we're watching online, we've come together for worship. We've come to hear from you. So now, God, we pray that you would speak to the end that souls are saved, that minds and bodies are healed. We look for and expect breakthrough and deliverance to occur. And God, allow our testimony when we've concluded this encounter to be I'm better now than I was when I started. And while you do these things, we'll be ever so careful to give you the praise, to give you the glory, and to give you the honor. It's in your name that we pray, and we, your people, said amen. Verse number 35, you may be seated, says, on that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Just for a little while this morning, I want to preach from the theme, the crossover. The crossover. In Jewish culture, the number 13 marks a very significant part in the lives of young men and women. 
it is at this age that males are engaged in the bar mitzvah and females engage in the bat mitzvah ceremonies, signifying their transition, don't miss this, from childhood into adulthood. I know that there are some people who, when they think about the number 13, can only think about bad things, but this morning I want to change your perception of the number to help you to understand that the number 13 is a significant moment where God allows for us to see that we're transitioning from immaturity into maturity. The number 13 is considered a marker, if you will, for maturity, a crossing over from one state of being or phase in life and belief to another which will require a change, and don't miss this, our approach, our behavior, and our responsibilities. It is after these ceremonies that Jewish boys and girls become responsible for living according to Jewish law. At this point, each young person has to accept the law and its obligations. They have to participate fully in the religious services, and they have to recognize responsibilities the individual takes on as an adult and set a good example for others. Gray City, today I want you to understand that as you cross over into the 13th year, that God is going to require a little bit more from you. Here it is, because you've been able to live through all that preceded this moment. You have made it through all of the 12 years and now have embarked on a new beginning that is going to require a change in your approach, a change in your behavior, and a change in some of your responsibilities. It is going to require you, and what a wonderful thing this is, to participate fully in religious services. It's amazing that God, don't miss this, allows you to cross over at a time when the world is literally turning over and over and over, where the world now is learning that you don't necessarily have to be in the building to worship, but you can be home, you can be on your job, you can be in your car, you can be in the gym, and still be in the presence of God and his people and in the service. And isn't it amazing that at this moment, when the world is going through a pandemic, that God orchestrated for it to be your 13th year, that you would cross over in the midst of a troubling time. Well, that's where we find ourselves in the text, because the Bible says that, that Jesus now has just finished teaching about sowing. He has just finished teaching about the seed and the power of the seed. And the Bible says, on that same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us go over to the other side. Now, I want to stop here and parenthetically just pause to let somebody know that his declaration is confirmation of what is guaranteed to occur. Let me say that again. Jesus says, let us go over to the other side. His declaration that we're going to the other side is confirmation that it is guaranteed to occur. But here is what is amazing about the God that we serve that while he may make a declaration that we can trust in, he does not always tell us what's going to be required in order to get to the other side. He simply says, we're going to the other side. What he does not tell them is what is about to occur. 
The Bible says that after making this declaration that they leave the crowd and they took him with them just as he was in the boat and the boats were with them. Can I stop here just for a moment and talk about this? Because it, isn't it interesting that he makes this declaration, we're going to the other side, and now they've got to decide, are we going with him or are we hanging with the crowd? They have to make who they have to make a decision about whether or not they are going to isolate and be with God or stick with the crowd and remain comfortable. And I want to tell you that if you're going to cross over, one of the things you have to understand is what you take with you determines how you experience the journey. That they're not just crossing over to cross over. These were, uh, some of them were fishermen. They knew how to traverse, how to make a journey from one shore to another shore. But here is, and you see it throughout uh, the ministry of Jesus when he interacts with them, just because you know how to do a thing does not mean you are equipped to do what is required when trouble rises. Uh, the, the Bible says that, that they leave those behind. The last few months of our lives were divinely and strategically orchestrated to permit us a moment to leave the influence of the crowd and see if we could be satisfied and find fulfillment simply in God's presence as we traverse the unknown with an anointed declaration. I believe somebody in here has a word from God that has not been fulfilled yet a word that God has released into your life that you are still waiting for him to do. And what you've got to understand is in this moment, God wants to see, can you believe me even when it doesn't look like what you've been through before? Can you believe me even when it looks troubling? I want you to understand isolation. I don't know about you, but the last couple of months, Pastor Bob, this isolation has been a way of causing me and others to reevaluate what's significant and what's an accessory. Uh, what some people have had to do is they've had to see that in their immaturity pre-pandemic, they had made the accessory the main thing. But the pandemic has now caused them to look and see that in isolation, the chaotic moment has shown them that what was the main thing, they made an accessory and they need to switch it up. So, 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 so don't miss this. The, 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 the pursuit that they're going to go on isn't about the stuff that looks good or feels good, but for the thing that lasts and strengthens in challenging times. I don't know about you, but during this time, more than ever, I have been seeking and searching for God in ways that I have never done. Pastor Corey talked about the 16 years that I've been pastoring, and I don't know about any of you, but what I do know is I have a newfound respect for anybody who's doing this. Because while they did not teach us some of what was going to be required to pastor, nobody taught us how to do it in a pandemic. And so if you, uh, if you were relying simply on charisma and praise pre-pandemic, you're in trouble because for the last couple of years you haven't been able to tell anybody to touch your neighbor. You've not been able to, to have the, the music going and people jumping and shouting. You've had to rely simply on his presence and his power and know that wherever anybody is, if they're worshiping with you, it can fall in diverse places the same way it did when we were all together. 
And the question then becomes, uh, what are you taking with you as you cross over, as you go to the other side? Why is it important? Here's the reason why it's important. The Bible says in verse number 37, and a fierce windstorm began to blow. And the waves were breaking over the boat so that it was already being swamped. But Jesus was in the stern asleep with his head on the pillow. And they woke him up and said to him, teacher, do you not care that we're about to die? Now, isn't it amazing that the same God who says we're going to the other side, when he gets on the ship, he decides he's going to go take a rest. And while he's resting, the storm is raging. And here's what God said to me. He said, Charles, one of the things you've got to learn if you're going to cross over is you've got to learn that your response is an indication of the extent to which you trust you trust who and what you possess. In other words, here it is. In other words, your response shows whether or not you trust what you have. Jesus says, let's go to the other side. They all get in the boat, they're in the boat, they're on the ship, and as they're traveling to the other side, a storm now is raging, and Jesus is downstairs asleep. Jesus is sleeping in the storm. His disciples are panicking in the storm. Jesus trusts the word that he's delivered. The disciples are trying to figure out why is he asleep? While the storm is raging. And here's what you've got to understand. Their response is based on what they see and feel, not what they've heard and who's with them. They're more concerned about what they see than recalling who's on the ship with them. Their times, uh, when Jesus, hear me, when Jesus is still in our lives and he's still to see if his word has settled in you or if it's just excited and tickled you. That you we, we get the word. We're constantly getting the word. Pastor Corey, Pastor Bob is preaching the word of God to us. It is not unlike we've not gotten the word. The question is, do we get it and hold on to it? Or do we get it and just get excited about it? Notice here, in the storm, the disturbance to Jesus is not the storm. The disturbance to Jesus is his disciples. I'm in the text. The Bible says uh, that they're, they're all in the same ship. They're all in the same storm with each other, but their faith is distributed in different directions. Jesus is trusting that what I said will come to pass. The disciples are trusting that the storm has the potential to take us out. Same ship, same storm, different distributions of faith. Jesus' faith, as I said, is in the word he spoke. The disciples' faith is in the severity of their experience. The immature disciple, hear me, thrives off of the sights of God, forgetting that miracles are for the unbeliever, not the disciple. Can I say that again? Uh, the immature disciple is looking for God to do something. They are asking God to show himself strong just so that they can have the faith to believe. But God said to tell somebody out there that miracles are for the unbeliever, not the believer. Because the believer already has the greatest miracle there is walking with them, and they don't need him to show them another sign. The mature believer 
is one who's crossed over from needing to see a thing and learn how to believe based on what they've heard and who's with them. With God, all things are possible. I believe I've got somebody here who can testify that, that I may not have all the stuff I want, but if I have the God who reigns on high, whatever I go through, I know that I can make it out of. We don't walk by sight. We walk by faith. We maneuver by faith. We keep going by faith. I believe I've got somebody here today who can testify. I'm not sitting here on Sunday, January the 9th because I have everything that I want. I'm not sitting here because I have everything that I desire. I'm sitting here because I have everything that I need. And what I need is the God who reigns on high, who lives on the inside of me, and he's been bringing me through all these months of turmoil. And when I look back, I see that while the storm is raging, I've got God on the ship with me. Uh, uh, here, here it is, somebody. I need you to hear me. Faith is not the is the substance of things hoped for, and not the evidence of and the evidence of things not seen. L let me say that again, so that everybody knows that I really do know the scripture. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, and the evidence of things not seen. Here it is. You and I do not walk by what we see. We walk by what we hear. In other words, if you want to know what God's doing in your life, don't look for it. Listen for it. God, help me in here. You, you got to listen for what God is doing in your life because if you look for it, you've got to understand that there is an adversary who is gifted in setting up scenes to make it look like the opposite is occurring. But do not pay attention to the person who sets up the scene. Pay attention to the person who writes the script because they're the ones who know what's really taking place. Uh, I, I don't see it. I, I, I'm not feeling it. It may not have manifested yet, but I simply have a word from God, an assurance that before a comma or a period of his word will not come to pass, that heaven and earth will pass away. I've not seen it yet, but I heard it. I've not witnessed it yet, but I heard it. I've not had, held on to it yet, but I heard it. Is there anybody in here who has a word from God and you are trusting that he is the God who will bring it to pass? No no matter what. And here's the reason why. Because the God I serve does not take breaks. He is with me every day. Uh, great is your faithfulness. The old church used to say it like this. And he walks with me. And he talks with me. And he tells me that I'm his own. And if the lilies of the field and the birds of the air can trust him, then surely, since I'm the express image of the invisible God, I can trust him and testify that in his presence is the fullness of joy. And at his right hand there are pleasures forevermore. Somebody do me a favor and declare I'm crossing over. It may not look like I'm making much progress, but I'm crossing over. It might seem like I'm at a standstill, but I'm crossing over. It might seem like I'm, I'm reverting back, but I'm crossing over. <sighs> uh, because the enemy wants you to think that because of the way things look, that you're not making any progress. But here's what I've discovered. The enemy will try to make you think something so that you won't pro make progress. And when all along he knows you're making the progress that he does not want you to see. He doesn't have to show it to us anymore for us to believe it. You can, uh, the, the Bible says that, that there is the centurion who comes to Jesus and says, uh, my, my daughter is sick. I, I need you to help my child. And Jesus says, 
okay, take me to your house and show me where she is. The centurion's faith is epic. He says, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word only. If you say it, I know that your word is powerful enough to travel to my house and to heal my daughter. And I need somebody to not be so overwhelmed, to not be so distraught, to not be so deterred, to not lose focus, and to recognize that in spite of all that's going on, you are still crossing over. (sighs) The Bible says that, that, that Jesus wakes up because the disciples have disturbed him. And the Bible uh, declares in verse number 39, and he got up and sternly rebuked the wind and the sea and said, hush, be still, be muzzled. And the wind died down. Now here's what is interesting uh, to me in the text. And that is that Jesus had options when he was disturbed. He had the option to deal with the one who disturbed him, or to deal with the disturbance that was disturbing the the people who disturbed him. He had options, but check this out. He does not use his time to correct the disciples right away. Instead, he works on their disturbance before he works on his disturbance. Somebody in here today ought to thank God that when he could have been correcting you, he decided to work on your stuff first and then circle back to try to correct you. Y'all are not hearing me in here. Uh, I'm thankful to God that when I get overwhelmed, that when I get fearful, that God decides to work on what is disturbing me before he works on me who's disturbed him. Now, how how am I disturbing him, preacher? I'm just worried about what's going on in my life. If you've been through anything, by now, you know that your God can do anything. Uh, the, The problem is that we get so overwhelmed by our fear that it reduces our faith. That's what happens to the disciples on the ship. But Jesus gets up. He speaks to the winds and the waves. I'm closing. I'm getting out of your way. The Bible says... And the wind died down as if it had grown weary, and there was at once a great calm, a perfect peacefulness. And Jesus now turns to them and says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith and confidence in me? Now, this, this, this actually just, just hit me, uh, 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 Pastor Bob, that some of the people on the ship were fishermen, so they should have been acquainted with sailing in a storm. But the text shows no distinction between their fear and the people who weren't fishermen. In other words, they had adopted the fear of other people just because they were all in the same situation but had different histories. Somebody in here this morning, God just dropped this on me, and God told me to tell you, don't forget where you came from. Because if you forget where you came from, you will adopt a fear of somebody who's not been through what you've been through, and you will lose the power of your testimony. Let me close. Uh, The Bible says in verse number 41 that they were all filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this? Can I pause right there and ask the question, 
after all the time they'd spent with Jesus, why are they questioning who he is and what he can do? The Bible says that even the wind and the sea obey him. I don't want to focus on the fact that they acted like they didn't know who he, who he was. Pastor Corey or Pastor Bob can preach that later. What, what I want to focus on is this. The, 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 end of the, ver- the beginning of the verse says they were filled with great fear and said to one another, who then is this, that even the wind and the sea obey him? My last point, if you're going to cross over, and I believe you've already begun the journey of crossing over, you've got to prepare to be amazed before the crossover is completed. Uh, Notice that they marvel at what Jesus has done. And they're not on the other side yet. They're still crossing over. And God is already doing great things in their midst. I want to let you know, Grace City, that you are in the process of crossing over. That on December 31st, At 11.59 p.m. that switched over to January 1st, 2022, you began your crossover. And since that time, within those nine days, while the crossover has not been completed, God has already done some great things for you and with you and in you. And here's what I got to tell you. Do not be deterred when the next storm rises. Remember, if he brought you this far, he can take you all the way. And he that hath begun a good work in you shall perform it until the day of his return. I need somebody to do me a favor and just thank God that even though I'm not on the other side, I'm still committed to crossing over. Because eyes have not seen, ears have not heard, Neither has it entered into the heart of men what great things God has in store for you and Grace City. I want you to know you've done some tremendous work over the last 12 years, but God told me to tell you, you're about to do greater things. So be prepared, because it's time for you to cross over. God bless you.